Well, good morning and happy Easter. It's good to see all of you this morning. Everybody doing great? Great. It's a nice, beautiful day out there, isn't it? It's going to be a good day. It's already a good day. Hey, listen, I want to tell you a story this morning as we get started, uh, a, a kind of a remarkable story, an unbelievable story, if you will, but, it, but I know it's true. It, it's actually a friend of mine involved in it. I have a friend that lives in Lakeland. He's actually uh, an attorney. His name is Kingswood Sprott. Now, that's an unusual name. If you Google Kingswood Sprott, there are only three other people in the United States named Kingswood Sprott. And uh, so, so it's an unusual usual name. Well, King also has a very unusual hobby. At least it would be unusual to most of us. He is a hot air balloonist. Matter of fact, I believe at one time he held the altitude record for, for hot air ballooning. Now, Kingswood, I've known him for years. His wife and I worked in the banking business years ago before I was a, a pastor. And, uh, but I want to tell you a story about Kingswood and hot air ballooning. Um, one day in 1997, Kingswood went over, uh, he lived in Lakeland. He drove over to Lake Wells, the city of Lake Wells, to the lake of Lake Wells and, and picked a spot and inflated his balloon and he took off from Lake Wells. His plan was to drift over um, southeast Winter Haven and to find a place somewhere in southeast Winter Haven where he could land, he was going to radio a friend and that friend was going to meet him and get in the basket with him. And then they were going to take off again and they were going to go west and see where the winds took them. Because, you know, in a hot air balloon, you sort of follow the wind currents and those kind of things. Well, everything was going as planned. He took off in Lake Wells. He came over south East Winter Haven. He was looking down and he saw a vacant place around Lake Ruby in southeast Winter Haven. And he was going to land in Lake uh, on that lot. But as he began to descend, the winds shifted and something happened that's not supposed to happen. And he lost control of the balloon and he crash landed in this lot uh, that wasn't the lot he intended to crash in. And the wind drugged the balloon across the lot. He's in the basket, threw some people's fence into their backyard and the balloon fell over their house. Okay, can you can imagine, can you imagine be sitting in your house on the weekend and all of a sudden, woof, you're draped by a big balloon, right? And so this happens. And this couple, it was Gary and Terry Bauckham were the name of the people that lived in the house. Well, obviously they came running out of the house because they were concerned about the, who was in this basket and they had crash landed. They came out and they checked, says, are you okay? Are you okay? And he said, yes, yes, I'm fine. He reached in his wallet. He got out a business card. He said, I am so sorry that I've destroyed your fence. My name is Kingswood Sprott, and I'm an attorney that lives in Lakeland. Well, when he said his name and, and he handed the card to, to Terry Bauckham, she looked at the card, got a really weird look on her face, and she said, I'll be right back. She went inside the house, she came back out, and when she walked up to Kingswood, she held her hand out, and she says, I think this belongs to you. It was his college class ring that he had lost 30 years prior in Lake Wells. She said, 20 years ago, when I was a 10-year-old girl, I was playing in Lake Wells, and I stepped on this, and I picked it up, and I've kept it in my jewelry box every, ever since. And she said, I just kept it for whatever reason. And she goes, judging from the inscription, Kingswood Sprott, this has to be yours. And he said, well, you're exactly right. That is my class ring. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. He drove from Lakeland to, to Lake Wells. He could have gone anywhere to start. 
he goes up in the air, the wind currents blow him over to a specific area. He crash lands the balloon, drags him through a couple yards, through a fence. The balloon falls over some people's house. The lady sees his name, goes inside, comes out and says, I've got your class ring you lost 30 years ago. And not only that, but the people that, that lived in the house had only lived in that house for three weeks. Now, is that an unbelievable story? But that's a true story. Don't you love stories like that? Don't you just, don't, I mean, some of you are sitting right there, I can see right now. I mean, it's just like, wow, this is the most incredible thing that, to hear stories like that. Well, you know that there are also stories in the Bible that are incredible. There are stories in the Bible that make your mind go, whoo, you know, what in the world? Matter of fact, I believe that there are a lot of people who never embrace Christianity or they're a little skeptical about Christianity because they look at some of the weird stories in the Bible that are a little different, that are seem unbelievable, and they go, I just can't buy into that. Now, Christians, people that place their faith and trust in Christ, they, they just take it at face value. But may, maybe you're one of those people and you're here today and you've never put your faith and your trust in Christ. Maybe you're sort of kicking the tires of Christianity, or maybe you're only at this Easter service because your mom's said, if you want to eat Easter lunch, you will go to church with me today. Okay, so I don't know, but, but the, you know, there's, there's lots of reasons that people don't believe, but I believe some of these stories. Now, you say, well, what stories? What stories are in the Bible that are crazy? Well, let me just give you an example. How many of you, and I want to ask, but I know that some of you, over the last couple of days, because it always airs around Christmas time, watch the Ten Commandment movie right? You started watching it last May. It just ended a couple days ago. That's the longest movie in the history of mankind. But anyway, uh, so you watched the movie and you saw how Moses leads the people out of Egypt and, and, and you, you see that. Well, remember part of that story is that that all these plagues come on Egypt and there's all these weird things that happen. But then Moses leads the people and they come to the Red Sea and, and there's a sea in front of them and an army coming up behind them and Moses prayed and God parts the sea and the people of Israel walk through it and then when the soldiers that are following them come through, God crashes the waves in on them and destroys them. That is an unbelievable story, isn't it? Incredible story. Did you know that there's also a story in the Bible about an axe head, an axe, an iron axe that floated on water? That, that's a pretty unbelievable story. There's also a story in the Bible about a guy who talked to his donkey. Now, that used to be really, really unbelievable for me, but now you can turn on the news and see donkeys talking all the time, right? So, you know, you know I don't know. I, it's just kind of a, you know, I just, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's not, it's maybe not quite as unbelievable as it used to be, but, but you can see the point that there are really a lot of unbelievable stories that are, that are in, that are in the Bible. There's a bunch, there's just a bunch of them. <laughs> it's kind of, <laughs> but when you hear stories like that, they're so incredible. They're so nuts. I mean, you, you hear them and you just can't hardly believe them. Well, you know, we've been in a sermon series for a while now. Here, I'll usually preach in sermon series if you're not one of our regular attenders. And, and so we've been in this series and uh, it's called Courageous. And we've been going through the book of Joshua in the Bible. Now, now, here's what's significant about that. Remember, if you saw the Ten Commandments or you know the story, you know that Moses led the people out of bondage to Egypt. Well, Moses has led the people around on their journey and, and, uh, and now Moses has grown old and Moses 
Moses has died, and his successor, the guy that God chose to lead the nation of Israel, was a guy named Joshua. And Joshua led the people across the Jordan River into the land that God had promised them. And so, they, so they're, they're going across, and they're, he's leading them, and, and it takes courage to, to do the things that they've been doing and to fight the battles they've been fighting. And so when we come to the part of the, the, the sermon series that we're in as of today, I'm going to spend a moment there, and then I'm going to move on, but I want you to see something because there's, there's another incredible story, one of those unbelievable, mind-blowing stories. I want to read it to you. It's in Joshua chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, and then I'll, I'll talk about it for just a moment. It says, at that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. They were in a battle. They were fighting, and God gave Israel victory over the Amorites. And, and he said in the sight of Israel. Now, so Joshua's praying, and he says this. He says, now he's talking about the sun up in the sky. He says, sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation of Israel took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jeshar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man like that for the Lord fought for Israel. So here's another one of those stories. Think about this. Israel's in a battle, and Joshua's saying there's no way that we're going to finish this battle before nighttime comes. So he prays to God, and he says, God, I need you to make time stand still. And God stopped the sun right where it was. He, he, he made time stand still so they could fight the battle and have a victory. Now, isn't that an incredible story? So we've got axe heads that are floating, donkeys that are talking, seas that are parting, sun standing still. And some people read that stuff and some people don't believe. They read that and go, those are just myths. Those are not things that happen. And I don't believe those things. And maybe you're someone who simply says, well, I'm a Christian, I believe it. But you could be here today and you could say, well, I'm not so sure I believe all that stuff. Well, here's what I want you to know as I get started today. I want everyone here to know that I'm one of those people that believe it. Okay, I want you to know I believe it, but I don't want to just tell you that I believe it. I want to tell you why I believe it. Okay, I don't want to just say, oh yeah, I believe it. No, I'm going to tell you why I believe it. And I'm going to give you the answer to why I believe it in one word. Are you ready? Here's why I believe that. Easter. I believe all of those stories. I believe everything God's word says because of Easter. It's the reason that I believe those stories. It's the reason that, that, that I became a believer and decided to follow Jesus Christ and put my faith and trust in him. It's the reason that I do what I do week in and week out, day in and day out. It's the reason that I encourage everyone that I can to place their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's all because of what we celebrate today. It's all because of this day that we call Easter. The fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I believe because of an event that took place. The most important event in all of human history. Matter of fact, we have B.C. and A.D. because of this event, right? I mean, it's an important event. It's, it's everything, it's in its, but listen, it centered itself around another unbelievable story. This guy claims to be God. Comes to, God comes to earth. It really is God. He comes to earth. He claims to be God. 
Because of his claims and because of what he was doing and because of what he was teaching, because of the followers that he was amassing, he was put to death on a cross and he died and he was buried in a tomb. But three days later, he rose up out of that grave. This is an unbelievable story because there's a dead man walking. Okay, now I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody else that rose from the dead. If you do, email me, text me. I'm always looking for sermon illustrations. I can use it if you know somebody that did that. But, but I don't know anyone, but Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And, and that event defines Christianity because if you take away the resurrection, if you take away the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, then Jesus is no different than anyone else. You see, this event is the very basis for Christianity. If he didn't rise from the dead, we probably wouldn't hear anything about him today. There were lots of people running around during the time that Jesus was on earth saying that they were the Messiah. So if he didn't rise from the dead, people would just have thought he was another crazy person. He, I mean, he did teach crazy stuff, didn't he? He said, love your enemies. He said, pray for those people who persecute you. If someone asks you for something, give it to them. If someone wrongs you, forgive them. Forgive them again. Forgive them again. Forgive them again. That's crazy. I mean, he was teaching crazy stuff. But, but he was teaching that, and, and he was claiming to be God. People got all excited about that at first. You know, people started following him, and he was amassing crowds. And, but it wasn't too long after all this started that the Romans and, the, and the, the government started noticing that this guy's got a following. And a lot of people are getting on the bandwagon. And the religious leaders of the day, they were just like upset because he was teaching that he was God, and he was teaching things that were different than what they had been teaching. Everybody's excited, but now people are starting to pay attention. And finally, it leads to a, a point to where people start abandoning him because the government's paying attention to him. The religious leaders are paying attention to him. And they're saying there's not going to be a good end to this thing. And pretty soon he's arrested. And just exactly what they thought might happen, happened. And everybody's abandoning him. People start saying, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to be associated with him because you know, he's, he's, he's getting arrested and there can be all kinds of problems. They figured he's probably going to be put to death because of all this stuff. And even his own disciples at the very in abandon him. Matter of fact, you guys may remember there's a story in the Bible about one Peter, and we're going to talk a little bit about him today, and Peter was a pretty bold disciple, but after Jesus was arrested, there was a group of guys sitting outside the place where Jesus was held, and they were all around a campfire, and they're all talking and chatting, probably talking about the events of the day and all the stuff that's going on, and this little middle school girl comes running up and says, hey, weren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And Peter denies that he even knew Christ. He runs away. He denies his Savior. So things started out great. People are following Jesus, but now everybody is afraid to be associated with Jesus because they know that he's probably going to be put to death, and they don't want to be put to death, right? They don't want to be associated with him because if they're associated with him, then they can suffer the same consequences that he's probably going to suffer. And then he gets put to death. But this is where the story changes, because something amazing happens, and this is what I want you to see today. Shortly after his death, the same disciples that ran, Peter, the guy that denied Christ and ran, all of the followers that started distancing themselves from Jesus, 
all of a sudden, they're screaming from the rooftops and telling everybody they can tell that Jesus was God, is God. You put the Son of God to death. He's exactly who he said he was. And they were telling everybody, even the Roman authorities, even the religious leaders, the people that could put them to death, they were boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus. Why? Why would they put their lives in jeopardy? Why would they do that? I tell you why. Because of Easter. They saw Jesus die on a cross. They saw it. They saw him buried in a tomb. And three days later, they ate a meal with him. They saw him. He was alive. And they could not and they would not shut up about it. After the resurrection, the primary message of the disciples, they weren't even teaching people the stuff that Jesus had taught them. They were just talking about one thing. We saw him die on the cross. We saw him put in the grave. And we saw the empty tomb. And we ate with the guy. He's alive. That's what, that's what, they, that's what their conviction was. That was the thing that was driving them as they went forward. And listen, some people say, well, you know, his body was probably stolen. Well, listen, there were Roman guards that were posted at that grave guarding that stone, and and they knew that their lives would be over if something happened to that body. And that stone was rolled away, and that tomb was was empty. And if the Roman authorities, they they wanted to come up with something so that people would not believe this, he had been claiming to be God. He had said, you're going to Bury, you kill me, bury me, and I'm going to rise again in three days. He did exactly what he said. They had a big problem on their hands. They would do anything they could to stop it. But here's the problem. They had to produce a body, and it wasn't there. They had to produce a body, and they could not produce a body. Everything was at stake for them. Let me give you an example, and I'm going to read you a lot of Scripture, but I'm going to give you an example of, of how this changed the disciples, and the followers of Christ's lives. I want you to listen to this. And other people's lives that came to know Jesus. Listen to this. In Acts 3, 1 through 16, they they really begin to believe. Okay, now here's a story of how this guy gets healed and, and everything centers around that. Here it is. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man that was lame from birth, he couldn't walk, was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. So here's a guy that he's lame. He doesn't have any way to make an income. So they take him every day and sit him at the gate at the temple. So that as people go and come, hopefully they'll put a few coins in his cup so that'll sustain him and give him some stuff, some money to buy food and stuff like that. Well, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, this man, he says, alms, alms for the poor, you know, he's, he's, he's asking. And Peter directed his gaze at this man, as did John. And they said to this man, they get, look at us, look at us. And the man, it says, he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said these words. Now, this is the guy that ran a few, few moments ago. Remember, he ran. Little girl comes up and goes, hey, weren't you with Jesus? He's going, I'm out of here. You know, he, he's gone. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up. 
and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and he began to walk and he entered the temple with Peter and John, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and they recognized him as the one who had sat at the gate asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement because he'd been healed, right? And what had happened to him? And while he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw these people, and they were coming around and all that, he addressed the people. And this is what he said. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we made this man walk? Listen to this. He says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. That's an important statement. To the, they saw it. To this we are witnesses. And in his name, in the name of Jesus, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of every single one of you. There's been a change. They were running a few days ago. They didn't want to be associated with Jesus a few days ago. But now all of a sudden, they're speaking boldly about Jesus. They're saying that he's the son of God, that God sent the earth in the form of a man, that he's the one who healed this man. He's the one that's got the power. He's saying, the guy that you guys wanted to, to die, you traded him off for a murderer. You, you, you said, crucify him. You yelled out, crucify him. That's the guy. This guy was God in the flesh. So all of a sudden, their stories changed big time, hasn't it? They're very bold. They weren't trying to launch a movement. That wasn't on their mind. They weren't teaching some new philosophy. That wasn't on their mind. Here's the deal. They just knew what they saw. They witnessed Easter. They saw the big event. They saw Jesus was not in the tomb and they ate a meal with him. They saw that he was dead, but now he's alive, that he was who he said he was. And it changed everything, and it made them bold. And, 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 and we're going to keep going. In Acts 3, 13 through 15, we're going to read this again. Because think about the boldness associated. Now think, the Roman soldiers had put Jesus to death. The, the, the Hebrew religious leaders wanted him to die. Everybody wanted Jesus out of the way because their life would be a lot more simple. He wouldn't, there wouldn't be masses of people following him. That, that They thought maybe there's an insurrection coming. There wouldn't be a bunch of religious leaders that everything they were saying was being taught, now, now was being taught by Jesus differently and they wouldn't have to explain and they would still retain their prestige and their power and all those kind of things. And now Peter's talking. The same guy that ran away and the rooster crows three times, he, deni he denies Jesus and all that stuff, scared to death and everybody's scared. Same guy, now listen to him talking to these people. 
He says the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus. Now listen, you can just see him with his finger pointed at him, right? And you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murder to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that is, his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. And then he says, repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. For you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. Then he goes on and he says, and as it says, as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came up to, to Peter and John, greatly annoyed because of what they were teaching the people and proclaiming Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. So they arrested him and they put him in jail overnight. But that couldn't even stop the movement. In Acts 4, 4, it says, but many of those who had heard the word had already believed. And the number of men that had believed and put their faith in Jesus already was about 5,000 people. They brought them out of jail now, and they questioned them. And listen to this. It says, on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. And um, uh, Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, okay, they put, John, they put Peter and John, they put them in the midst, and they asked them questions. They said this, by what power or what name did you do this? How did this man get healed? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders. Now he's talking to the very people that put Jesus to death, that can put him to death if, if he doesn't say the right things. He says, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, well, just let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and listen to this, now he's pointing his finger again, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated men, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had indeed been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they, they didn't have an argument. They, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, Okay, so they told Peter and John, now you leave, and they were talking amongst themselves. This is what, this is what they said. What shall we do with these men? For, for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further, we don't want this word getting out, the sky raised from the dead and all that, that, then let us warn them not to speak no more. So they called them back, and they charged them, and they said, don't speak. Don't be talking about this anymore. We're going to let you guys go, but you need to shut up. But Peter and John answered them, and this is what they said. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, well, you got to judge that. But listen to this. For we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Here's the point. 
these guys were radically changed. They were radically changed. Why were they changed? Because of an event. Because they saw Jesus was risen from the dead. They ate a meal with him. There was no way they could say this didn't happen. They were willing to risk their life and limb. They were willing to stand before the rulers and say, you killed the son of God. You're a bunch of fools. What you did was wrong. You've messed this all up. This is on you. It's not on us. It's on you. They're standing there saying those kind of things, knowing they can go to the cross as well. Why would they be willing to stand there and do that? Now let's push this message forward. About 15 years after the resurrection of Jesus, in Rome itself, about uh, they say between 30 to 50,000 people had placed their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The message was spreading. People had gone there that had actually seen this, this, this death, burial, and resurrection. And so now 30 to 50,000 people in Rome have become Christians. Now, they, now and you say, well, okay, well, great, big deal. They, right, okay, well, it is a big deal because at that time there was a ruler, his name, an emperor, his name was Nero. Nero hated Christians. He hated them so much that if he found out you were a Christian, Christian. He would take you and put you in prison. He would take you and wrap you in bloody animal skins and throw you into an arena and let people watch lions eat you because you were a Christian. He would take Christians and he would cover live Christians in tar and impale them on poles and light them on fire while they were alive to light his garden parties. And yet people would stand there and go, burn me. Throw me to the lions. All they had to do was say, Jesus did not raise from the dead. But they wouldn't do it. Why? Because they saw it. Because their dad saw it, their mom saw it, their grandparents saw it. Because they they were just so close to that event, not very far removed. And they knew that the event was true. And they were willing to give everything for this event that took place. Easter. All they had to do was deny Christ, and they wouldn't do it. I believe this is an incredible story because of all those witnesses who were willing to literally die. Would you die? I mean, mean, why would they just not say, I don't believe in Jesus, or that was just a story? Why wouldn't they do that? Because they knew it to be true, and they knew that he said he was God. And because now that they knew he was God, they weren't about to say something that was going to keep them out of heaven. Right? They weren't going to deny him. They witnessed a life-changing event. And, 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 and because of that event, let me just tell you something. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe it. I believe that he walked out of that tomb. Because he said he would. And I believe he was God who came to earth in the form of man. And I believe those crazy stories in the Bible because Jesus said the Bible is the word of God. And if God says that that's the word of God, I'm going to believe God. I believe an axe head floated. I believe a donkey talked. I believe the sea parted. I believe the sun stood still. And I believe Jesus came out of the grave. And I'll tell you something else. Because of Easter, I believe that Jesus can forgive sins. I believe he can forgive my sins, and I believe that he can forgive your sins. I believe that when he says that I will answer your prayers, that he will answer my prayers. 
I believe that when he says he can heal my hurts, he can heal my hurts. I believe that when he says that he can erase my past, he can erase my past. I believe when he says he can give me hope in a future, he can give me hope in a future. I believe when he says I can get rid of your hurts, your hangups, and your habits, I believe he can get rid of my hurts, my hangups, and my habits. And I believe that if you become a Christian by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that you can go to heaven and spend your eternity with God. Why do I believe all of that? I believe it because of Easter. That's why I believe it. If it didn't happen, all of creation deflates, but it did. And we would be foolish not to give this some thought. We would be foolish not to dig deeper. We would be foolish to discount all that took place all those years ago. This is the most beautiful day in all of Christianity. It's the most special day for you and for me today. Not because of what Jesus taught, but because of what he did. He went to the cross and paid the price for our sins, was buried in a grave, and then came out and sits in heaven at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf and on mine. And if we put our faith and our trust in him, we can have everlasting life. My question for you this morning is simple. Do you believe? Is the evidence enough? Is this what we've talked about enough, at least enough to get you to dig a little deeper? There's so much more that I could tell you. There are practical examples how I can tell you. But we can just look back historically and you say, well, all that's great. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Some of you are saying, well, that's great, that's great. But you're telling me stories from the Bible to justify things that you want to say happened in the Bible. That's kind of a circular argument kind of a thing, isn't it? Let me tell you something. There are extra, extra biblical uh, materials. There's a guy named Josephus who was a Roman centurion who was not a Christian, but, but his journals that he kept that have been recorded, we have them just like we have other great literary works. And in Josephus, Josephus saw the resurrection. He saw all this stuff happen. And all through Josephus' writing, he supports everything that is said in this book. Now, his word is not infallible and errant inspired. It's not the word of God, but it is a, a non-Christian Roman centurion validating what's in Scripture. Guys, let me just tell you something. This book is true. And if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, you can have everlasting life and your sins can be forgiven. Maybe you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've always sort of thought, man, these stories are myths or whatever. Maybe today God has spoken to you. And, if, and, and let me just tell you, the Bible says if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. That simply means that if you put your faith in Jesus and ask him to forgive you of your sins, you can become part of God's family. And maybe God is speaking to you. And I'm going to pray with you right now. But, but listen, here's the deal. There's nothing magic about my prayer. This has to come from your heart. But if you desire a relationship with Jesus, would you pray with me right now? Just pray. Just say, Jesus, I am a sinner. And God, I'm asking you right now to forgive me of my sins. I'm placing my faith and my trust in you. And right now, in the best way that I understand, in the best way that I know how, I'm committing my life to you. So please forgive me of my sins and save me and make me part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen.
And if you prayed that prayer and you made a decision to follow Christ, we're gonna stand up and sing in a little bit. You can make your way to the back, to the doors, and we have people with lanyards on that say prayer team. You can just meet with one of them if you want. They'll answer your questions. They'll talk to you about your new faith journey. Or you can contact us by email, text, whatever. Call us, let us know so we can help you in your new journey. Maybe you need to put a prayer request up on the cross today. We have crosses in our church. If you're new to us today and you're a guest, thank you, by the way, for coming. And thank all of you for watching online. But, but in the sanctuary here, we have, we have these crosses. And you can see people put prayer requests up on the crosses. And we pray for those in our staff meeting each and every week. I don't know what you need to do today. But I know this. I believe wholeheartedly that Jesus Christ is God. I believe that he came to earth in the form of a man, God did, Jesus Christ, that he crawled up on a cross and died for the sinfulness of mankind, for your sins and for my sins. And that he was placed in a tomb and he stayed there for three days. He rose up again and he reigns forever at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And I believe that he wants a relationship with you and you can have that relationship. And I believe that we all should give that some consideration and we all should think about it. And I would invite you, if you have any questions, to talk to any of us, any of the people on our staff, whatever, our, our pastors, we would love for that. But here's the deal. I believe it. And here's why I believe it. And here's why you ought to believe it. It's all because of what we're celebrating today. It's all about Easter.